I'm Morgan. And I'm Trisha. And we are first time new moms. Join us on this crazy, beautiful ride of momhood where we mom cast each week, breaking the stereotypes of momhood and supporting each other on the good, bad, and often comical parts of being a mom. This is Mom Jeans and Minivans for the perfectly imperfect mom. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. (laughs) We are so happy we have a guest today. I know. I was going to say there's not an echo. There's three of us tonight. Yeah. So tonight we have Stacy with us, who's actually, Morgan, you should probably do the introduction because I know very little. I'm very new to this whole thing, too. So I am like everybody else listening in. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Stacy and I, I don't even know how many years now, what? Uh, four? Yeah, probably, five, probably about four. Okay. <laughs> so we met four years ago, we'll say. And through the meetup group I had started, and we just kind of hit it off right away. Trisha, you could hang with her because we often talk food and love cooking together. Yay. So <laughs> we should have done a food episode. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> she was just telling me how she was cooking tonight. <laughs> I think our first meetup was uh, our first meetup was baking cookies. I think we were doing Christmas cookies. Oh, was that the first one? I think okay. so. Yeah, that oh, makes sense. Yep. Yes. So we just hit it off right away, and I don't know. Um, you want to tell us a little about you, Stacy? Sure. Um, so I live in Haddonfield, New Jersey, and I moved down here from New York City. So we've been down here about four years now. Um, I'll be married five years in October, uh, which is kind of crazy. (laughs) Um, To a sweetie of a husband. We like Jordan. Yeah, my husband's very sweet. Um, We have a cat. His name is Conan the Barbarian. (laughs) (laughs) And we just got a puppy back in December. So he's 11 months old now. It's a yellow lab weighs like what a hundred pounds by puppy you mean like giant yeah he's massive he's 85 pounds um (laughs) oh my gosh yeah and he's not done growing yet so he's i like joke all the time he's like an 85 pound toddler because he's still very much like a, a puppy and like i can hear my husband downstairs right now like he's like humping pillows and like barking and just like going crazy (laughs) everything a toddler does yeah (laughs) no but it's true i feel like the things you talk to me about i'm like oh my god i just went through that with with uh, charlie yeah i'm like you're already a mama (laughs) i know seriously exactly before we get into tonight's episode we will remind you all the different platforms that you can find us on. So you can share with your friends and they can listen to us on whatever platform they choose. But we are on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. And yeah, tell your friends. And if you are loving us, if if you've been following us, do us a favor on the Apple platform just give us five stars. It helps us out. It gets the word out there for more people to follow us. Yes, and you can always definitely. subscribe. Yeah, the, re- <laughs> we, we t- the reminder on subscribing is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes the guesswork out of the episodes for you, just automatically downloads for you. So hit that subscribe button and five stars. Easy peasy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and our favorite, uh, we, we are on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Mom Jeans and Minivans. Uh, and that's where you really get to put 
it's a little bit more, you feel a little more connected. You get to see pictures and put faces to names and yeah, we'll like definitely have some Stacey. with Stacey. Yeah, which will be exciting. <laughs> Maybe Teddy, Conan. <laughs> all, all of the them. pictures of all of the animals. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, you can always, con- oh, we are also on Twitter. Can't forget that one. It no, is. Nope, our favorite. Oh, yeah. Mom Jeans Men and the number one. So M I N one. And then always our favorite is our email because we love hearing from everybody, hearing people's stories, getting feedback. Uh, and that is mom jeans and minivans at yahoo.com. So please do reach out at any point and we love hearing from you. Yes. So our episode tonight which I'm foreign to, so I will pretty much be the, I don't know, what do you, what would you call it? Like the questioner, the the interviewer. (laughs) Yes, because I have a lot of questions. Uh, So this is all about IVF and IUI, just fertility. Yes, fertility. Um, So let's jump into it. And actually, my first question is going to be, what exactly is the difference between those two? Because I don't even know. (laughs) Sorry. I feel like <laughs> it's no, it's so good. But uh, Stacy, I was gonna say, I feel like you are so much better with the whole medical. <laughs> I know knowledge descriptions. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you take that one. Sure. I'm like a huge nerd, so I like. And I guess we should say stuff. that is why. Yes, and Stacy's with us because she's gone through fertility. Yeah, I've gone through the all journey. of the, all of the things IUI, IVF. Yes, uh, we've we've done it all. So so IUI uh, is usually one of the the earlier steps in a, your fertility journey, and often usually the second because you can do timed intercourse as the yeah. first one. So um, okay, with IUI, it's essentially it's uh, intrauterine insemination. Um, yep, you got it. <laughs> I wouldn't have. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's where they take the sperm and they take a sperm sample. They do something called washing it. Uh, and then they put it in your uterus around the time that you're ovulating. So it's all very okay. specific, but uh, mm-hmm. that's the general gist of it. And then IVF um, is a little bit more uh, intense and invasive. So that's where it's kind of broken down. Not a little bit. It is. It is. It's it's definitely more invasive (laughs) because, uh, yeah. A lot more drugs, a lot more timing to it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like length, I should say. So that's the one I'm familiar with. Okay. So gotcha. But yes, please do explain. So there's like two phases to it. There's like the egg retrieval phase, um, which is where Mm -hmm. you're taking medicine and you're like trying to grow as many follicles which become eggs as possible and so then you do like uh your egg retrieval which is where they actually put you under and take the eggs out of your body um Mm -hmm. and then they fertilize them with your husband's or donor whoever sperm in the lab um and then you do your transfer with the actual embryos once they've made it to a certain point so there's kind of the retrieval part usually like a week to that part where you can get x amount of eggs and like you said for waiting for the sperm to create the embryos but each day they're waiting to see how many times the um, cells have multiplied because I think what was it day five or seven then Stacy they call you to tell you how many embryos you actually have from the number you started with yeah so that for the clinic that I went to and Morgan goes to the same one so they they take day five embryos different places will do like earlier like day three but I think most places do day five now because those tend to have the best viability 
Gotcha. Mm. Well, first and foremost, I just wanted to say thank you both for sharing your stories because obviously this is a very personal subject, um, but I also think it's so beneficial for people to hear either if they're, they they might have to go through it or they, they are going through it just to share in the experiences. So that was the first thing I wanted to say. And then the second thing was I would love to hear each of your stories, like how you've gotten here, what you've had to go through. And yeah, um, that's always really interesting to me too. Morgan, do you want to go All first? Right. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I have spoken a little about it, I guess more in the sense that I have said that I have used IVF for Charlie uh-huh. and it all started for me. I didn't. I I'm sorry. Still quick question. Know. You didn't do the IUI, right? You just did yeah, IVF. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Oh, IUI. okay. Oh, you did. Okay. Yep. So I had uterine fibroids, which actually led me to the fertility place I'm at now that they removed my fibroids. So I, I don't, I guess it was foreshadowing that I'd actually use them down the road. I had no clue. <laughs> um, that was lucky. But... <laughs> and so then had that my my second time my fibroid was removed I already had a torque left ovary surgery like four years prior to that I swear it was like every four years I was having a surgery so so anyways Phil and I started trying and wasn't really happening we went to a different fertility place and they actually did the timed intercourse there I don't know we just weren't really happy with the result it just felt like very like oh we'll try that oh like just very lackadaisical um I wanted like someone that seemed a little bit more confident mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially we didn't have a reason why it just wasn't happening and I wanted them I guess part of it was to they do the testing at the very beginning to make sure that everything looks good it's way more invasive let's just say overall for the woman through the whole process but even the the testing like Phil all he had to do was a sperm sample Mm -hmm. and they test it and that was his testing meanwhile for me and feel free to jump in Stacy because jumping to like the first time I did it with Charlie which was three years ago is a little foggy I have (laughs) this more current one in my head but they do the blood testing for all these genetic abnormalities and so if the female comes back all okay then the guy doesn't but if like one test comes back negative or positive then the guy has to do it like everything felt like it just it relied on the woman to do the testing first yeah that's the this whole process like it's so unfair like the woman has to do everything Mm -hmm. yep 100 percent. and for me the one the part that even before we got to all the timed intercourse, the IUI, IVF. Actually, I might be jumping ahead, but the HCG testing. I don't know if we did that with the IUI. You might know, Stacy. That one sucked. Like I think you're talking about the HSG, the one where they do like yep. the dye. Yep. Yeah. That's the yeah, HSG. HSG. And that one, like I personally think it was worse than the egg retrieval. Both my times that I did it, that like Stacy said, they are checking. Basically, they do a trial run, but they check to see if like your fallopian tubes are open. So they use saline. They use our friend the what are they called? Not I want to say catheter. It's not, but um. Yeah, it's a catheter. Spec- oh yes, they use but the speculum. Mm. <laughs> so I have learned that I have a shy cervix. They have told me so they need a long <laughs> one for me. So I always remember. <laughs> that anytime they need to use it but it you're wide awake they're oh and they're sticking a camera up 
your hoo-ha to check things out and taking a tissue sample at the same time. All in what, 10 minutes? It's very short, but I was screaming like the last time, both times I hated it, but the last time I was about to just tell them to stop. It was so painful and all you can take are, you know, some over-the-counter Tylenol. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I actually had leftover because they're checking every scenario and again they don't know what's wrong like yeah. why it's not happening but so i feel like for you to be in that much pain they can't give yes. you anything for it That's... oh i was told that if i ever have to do it again there was something they could prescribe ahead of time i was like thanks did not help <laughs> <That's what's> okay. <laughs> thank you for 10 minutes of hell like thanks okay yeah it was wow. so bad and you're, you're driving yourself to the appointment i did have leftover percocet from god knows any of my surgeries <laughs> I, it was so bad. I came home and I had to take one. Wow. Um, Ow. Yeah. So for me, I did at the, the fertility place I'm at now with Charlie, I did three rounds of IUI because that was required by my insurance before I could move on to IVF. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. Stacy, she did quite a few more. Yeah. We'll get into was that. that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I was going to say, so... That didn't take, I felt like I almost went in just like going through the motions. I just wanted to jump to IVF, I think by the second one. Yeah. But because they pretty much told me like after the third one, I could do a fourth, but if it's not taking by that time, it probably won't. Right. I was just like, let's just move forward. And then about then Phil started getting sick, but we didn't realize. And for anyone that has listened in the past, they'll know with his liver. Um, but we didn't realize how severe it was. So we had done the egg retrieval that Stacy spoke of. And I don't remember exactly. I want to say I had like 18 eggs or something. That's really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and your numbers basically, you're going to get down to the single digits by the time everything's said and done. After so, five yes. days. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. It was great. Maybe it was like 16, 16, 18. I don't remember. But Phil went to do his part. And this is like, you know, a month, maybe a month and a half later before you can even do IVF because you were doing estrogen shots. I was doing gonorrhoic in the thigh. Like you have to do all these shots a month leading up to even the IVF because it's so timed and calculated. Wow. Um, I was going to say... So Phil went to do his part and between the time that he had done his initial sample for his testing to when we needed it, he was so sick. And again, we didn't realize that we could not fertilize the eggs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they had to just freeze my eggs. And literally a week later from that process, Phil ended up going to the hospital. Um, And that's when we were told he needed the transplant. So that put everything on hold clearly for two years Uh (laughs) and fun fact they can freeze everything indefinitely I was curious how long (laughs) right yeah so we everything was on hold for the about two years I would say and I was definitely once Phil had the transplant he was doing better I definitely was antsy to get it going you know because we've been waiting yeah (laughs) no one was getting any younger um, I think I was about 35 uh-huh. when I had first started the process and I was 38 when I was pregnant with Charlie. I think we about, we had to wait six months till after Phil was better 
because he also had to get the drugs out of his system. His estrogen levels were actually very high. Mm. Um, he had developed breasts. He, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Like very high estrogen levels. Yeah. So he, finally he was able to give a sample that looked good and they unthawed my eggs and they fertilized and I want to say we had about, I, I, it was like eight or 10 maybe mm-hmm. embryos. And then like we were saying earlier that every day they'll call and tell you how many they keep maturing. Yeah. And we had four when all was said and done. So we had four viable embryos. Great. So. Yeah. What about you, Stacey, and your kind of start process? Yeah. So mine was a little different. So I think we were married like three years. No, two. We had been married a little over two years. And like I was ready to start having kids like basically when we got married. And, um, you know, my husband wanted to wait and I was still working in New York while living down in New Jersey. And there was just a lot going on. So it wasn't really the right time. But um I remember this was in Jan. It was like in January. I was like, you know, I'm going to stop preventing this. Like I had been off birth control for a while, but I was like, you know, like mm-hmm. if you don't want to have a kid, it's up to you to happy accident. Yeah. Like that's up to you to prevent <laughs> take the that. precautions. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and so, you know, like that was in January and, you know, we were never like timing anything or trying or really anything, but we also like weren't not trying, you know, um, uh-huh. and you're, you're flat making me flashback. Cause actually Phil was very much the same way. Not ready yeah. years before me, but did you ever do the, okay, well, I'm not going to try to prevent this. Well, that, like yeah. you were saying, like, exactly. you can do it on you, but like, did you get to the point where I was actually checking my ovulation? Like, Hey, you feeling horny tonight? Cause I am like, I got to that point. Well, so <laughs> did I, you ever do that? I think like a couple months in, <laughs> I was like, so this is maybe like March of that year. I was like, oh, you know, like I just want to learn about my body. I'm going to try these like ovulation strips. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, but like for anyone who's ever used them, they're incredibly difficult and I never had success using them. Like I would never get a positive on them because you have to like pee between like one and four four in the afternoon on them which I would always be at work and like I you know you're like in a public bathroom trying to pee on the stick and then you have to like wait for five minutes and see if the line change like and I'm like in a public bathroom (laughs) like it just was never working for me um so anyway so I ended up resigning from my job in New York in May which was like a huge stress reliever I found a job down in Philly uh and you know, I didn't really think anything of it. By this point, I was like so preoccupied with work and changing jobs that, you know, the ovulation thing was kind of on hold. Um, so my first day at my new job was June 1st. And I was like supposed to get my period like around that time. And I remember I, I put in a tampon the morning I went to go into my new job. because I was like, I just don't want to like have it like start in the middle of the day and like deal with anything. So then I think it was like in the afternoon, I like went to change my tampon and I didn't have any, there's nothing on that. 
So I was like, that's weird. Um, and then... Because you were always so regular? Yeah, I had been pretty regular. Um, mm-hmm. And so then when I got home, I was like, huh, like, I wonder if I'm pregnant. And obviously, I had pregnancy tests at the house just because, you know, I had... Yeah, what lady who's ready doesn't. I had been not, not trying for five months at this point. <laughs> yep. And yeah, so my I remember my husband was like, out at a coffee shop or something and I was supposed to pick him up we were going to go to dinner to celebrate my first day of work and I took the pregnancy test and it was positive and I was like holy crap like I can't believe this like I just started a new job like oh my gosh this is like not the timing that I wanted but okay (laughs) so anyway so I pick him up and I'm like, he's like, how's your first day? And like, all I can think about is like, how am I going to tell him right now that I'm pregnant? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so anyway, we like pull into like a Rite Aid parking lot because we couldn't find parking in Collingswood. And I just, he was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and just like blurted it out. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was obviously very excited and I started crying cause I was like, I didn't, I know that you didn't want to try yet and blah, blah, blah. He was like, no, I'm really happy about it. It's really great. That was that first experience. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately I think it was probably like a month later I had started having some spotting and, um, we actually went to the doctor when I had some spotting and everything was looking good at that point. Like, I think we heard the heartbeat, we saw the ultrasound, like everything looked good. And she was like, you know, like some people just have spotting. Um, so just come back in two weeks. So I came back in two weeks and there was not a heartbeat anymore, which was really sad and really hard. Um, Oh my God. Like I saw you a few days after that because I, you retelling this feels so vivid in my head. It was yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you had just heard the heartbeat and it's so oh real my at gosh. that point. Yeah. It, it was like, and I remember like, you know, you just remember these moments so vividly. Like I remember going in there and like, you know, they're doing, it's like a transvaginal ultrasound at this point. So it's like a very uncomfortable thing to begin with. And, and this was just your regular gyno. You weren't yeah. using the fertility. Yeah. 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 Case. This was just a regular. Yeah. Um, and like the nurse was quiet and I was just like, you just knew, you know, like within a couple mm-hmm. seconds, you just knew. And she's like, I'm really sorry. And then they have to go get somebody to confirm it. And it was this whole thing. But the worst part was, so this was on, uh, this was in early July. And then we were supposed to be leaving two days later to go to Switzerland. We were going to go to the Swiss Alps, Swiss Alps with some friends. So normally they would do like a DNC where they, you know, it's like a, procedure at the hospital they put you under and they kind of clear everything out but I couldn't do that because we were going to be flying and there was like a risk of blood clotting so the long story short I ended up having to wait for it to happen naturally and it took I think another 12 days before yeah before I like actually you were in Switzerland I was actually in Munich at this point because we had like a whole week in Switzerland and then we were going to Munich and so we were in our Airbnb at this point and like Mm. I could kind of tell during the day that something was going to happen because I started getting like super nauseous and like I don't know I just felt like the time was coming and so anyway long story short I'll spare you the gory details but it happened in the Airbnb you can tell us (laughs) because I mean lots of people are going through it so you feel mm-hmm. comfortable go for it if you don't you don't have to I mean I guess the the most surprising thing to me was like you legit have like like at that 
point. You know, the baby had been a decent size and the placenta had formed. And so like I had contractions and everything. And it was, it was weird because, you know, you're obviously bleeding a lot. And like my husband's there. And like, I, I remember just like laying down in the bathtub and like, he was like putting the water over me and it was, I was in so much pain and it was like, do I try to go to a hospital in Munich, Germany? Do I just try and ride this out? It was like awful. Um, oh my gosh. Sounds miserable. Yeah. So it was, you know. All... I've heard it can be really painful. Yeah. And I, you know, I expected that, but like the, like, it was like timed contractions. Like I remember mm-hmm. in the beginning I was like, oh, like my back kind of hurts and it like felt like period cramps and then they just got like worse and worse and closer together and then... You know, like it, it comes out as like a big glob and it mm-hmm. was Is that pretty normal the the contraction part? Is that the body's way of releasing? Yeah. I think it depends. Mm-hmm. Like, cause so flash forward, I had had, uh, we'll get to this, but I had a, another miscarriage later on and it was very different from that. Like I didn't have the contractions, but it was an earlier miscarriage than that. So yeah. I think I was, I think I was probably 10 weeks by the time I had passed and I still, like my body still thought it was pregnant. So like it was still forming the placenta. It's just the baby wasn't alive anymore. So, you know, like it was, I think you at some point have to have the contractions because your body has to be able to get it all out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. My sister, my, my sister actually had one at, gosh, I want to say it was eight or 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, and she was actually on a vacation with her friends too. And nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Because she she actually had a baby on her own. She had a donor and everything. And so she hadn't told any of her friends. So she had to she had to go through it by herself in the hotel room. Oh, that's awful. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, it was so painful. Like, it's so horrible. So I remember hearing her story about the whole thing. And she had the same thing. She had, like, contractions, too. Trying, yeah. You know, to get it out. So... Yeah, I mean, luckily, These like... These ladies go through <laughs> for, like, the, what's supposed to be, like, the most natural thing. I just, right. I always laugh. In high school, they're like, don't be a teen mom. Don't get pregnant. It's, like, flash forward to, like, the stuff you'd never think you'd be going through. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. So, anyway, that was uh, my intro into the world of fertility. <laughs> um, wow. But, I mean... But after that, that's like, when you went and saw a specialist after that, right? No, we, we tried on our own no. for probably another six months, I think. Um, okay. And so, you know, like we were, I was being more diligent with like tracking and we were like, okay, like, like let's actually try. Because I think at this point, like my husband was like, yeah, I really want this. Like hearing the heartbeat made me realize how bad I want this. So we tried on our own for like another six months. Um, so I was 31 when all of this happened. And so they say when you're under 35, you should try for a year before seeking out fertility help. And so, you know, like in my mind when it got to January, I was like, well, I've technically been trying for a year, haven't not not been trying and I did get pregnant, but like that didn't work. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to the doctor because also after a miscarriage I was having like weird spotting before my periods and I don't know just something seemed off and so I was like I'm just gonna go get checked out so I went to my gynecologist and I explained everything to her and she was like oh that can be normal it can just be your body adjusting after the miscarriage I was like it's been six months and like 
I don't know. It just, I, it didn't feel right. And I was, I didn't like her answer of like, oh, just give it more time. Very type A. So I didn't like the idea of just continuing to wait because I just, <laughs> I felt like something was off with my body and it, it yeah. just wasn't right. So Always anyway. listen to your intuition. I feel like yeah. you know yourself better than anybody yep. else. Well, you so. have to be you were an advocate. The whole time, Stacy. I remember you were like, this just isn't normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, you know, I, called the fertility clinic and they said, yeah, like, come on in. We'll just like, they did, we did a consult and they were like, you know, let's just run some tests and see what's happening. So Morgan kind of went through all this, but we did, at that point we had just done like blood work. We did the HSG, which is the painful, they shoot the dye up and make sure your tubes Mm. are open. My husband did his, and I think it was just like blood work at that point. At this point I didn't have like too many tests. Um, everything was normal, so they were like, let's do a timed intercourse cycle. So, you know, there's there's a couple of different, like, medications you can take. So for me, like, I, I was ovulating every month, and so I didn't need to take medicine, but the, the medicine, I guess, helps make sure that you know when you're going to ovulate, too. So um, I started using Clomid with that timed intercourse, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, You're right. I did that the first time with the timed intercourse. Yeah. And so that's just an oral medication and mm-hmm. it's it's super easy, but it does give you hot flashes. Did you have hot flashes with that, Morgan? No, I didn't. But I Ooh. had another friend going through at the same time and she had very similar symptoms to you because yeah. I think you were both talking at the same time about hot flashes. Like I'm someone that's always cold all the time and like I remember waking up in the middle of the night just like covered in sweat <laughs> like I was like I need all of the blankets off of me right now <laughs> so that one didn't work and then you know we our original consult they had told us to do three time dinner course and then move to IUI and I can't remember if we did a second time dinner course or if we jumped into IUI after that but for us like our insurance I had a high deductible plan and IVF was not covered at all. So like IVF was not even a thought at this point because, you know, like there's nothing wrong. We don't have coverage for it. So we're just going to try IUI. So IUI was covered. Because the doctors never gave you a reason either, right? Yeah. No, everything, all my numbers looked good. Yeah. Um, I was ovulating. so strange. Yeah. Um, I know so many friends who have gone through fertility and I recently there's one I think she's the first one that has a definitive definitive reason why they have struggled to get pregnant everyone else is like it just wasn't happening yeah I feel like that's that's, so common oh my gosh I didn't know that that's that that would be so frustrating I'd be like but everything's fine yeah why isn't it working (laughs) yeah yeah and so I think we did three IUIs with Clomid then um still wasn't happening And then they were like, well, we can put you on the injectables. And, you know, with those, I think the goal is to produce, like, more than one egg. So you essentially get, like, multiple tries in a month. And so my first month doing the injections, and the plan was to do the injectables with IUI because my insurance didn't cover anything else. My insurance actually didn't even cover the injection medicine. So I had to pay for all that out of pocket, which is insanely expensive. Um. And my first month doing that, you know, you have to go in at least every other day initially because they have to monitor your dose so much. So you're going in at 7 a.m. before work every other day. 
and so stressful. They oh have my to, gosh. They have to like adjust your dose because if they give you too much and you produce too many eggs, <laughs> you could have like six babies, which obviously is not healthy. But if they do too little, then your follicles don't grow and then that's not good either. So I remember it was like on a Wednesday and it was my first time doing this injection cycle and he was like, okay, you've got four that are like looking good. Are you okay with twins? Because if you are, I'll increase your dose and then we can come back in on Friday and you should be close to like ready. So I was like, yeah, we're fine with twins, like whatever. So they increased my dose. I go back on Friday and all of a sudden I had like (laughs) 10 follicles that were ready. And so they were like, we have to can't. Which is highly abnormal for IUI. Yeah. And so, well, they wouldn't let me do it. They were like, we're going to slow your dose again, come in on Monday, but if it's not better, we have to cancel this cycle. So they weren't going to let me do the IUI. So came in on Monday, all of them were still growing. So they were like, it's too risky. We're not, we have to cancel the cycle. Like stop the medicine, stop everything. But oh my what, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so. It's so much. We like didn't yep. think about, I mean, I guess we <laughs> thought about it, but like we had sex that weekend and I was like, well, what if like. I ovulate these 10 follicles and like we just had sex and like <laughs> oh my gosh you have a reality show that was, yeah <laughs> um and so anyway you know I don't know if I ever ovulated all of them I don't know but I did not get pregnant that month either so because I had so many like your body just like goes crazy so they're like you have to take a month off I was just like devastated that we had to take more time off because like you know at this point you're like the weight yeah, like the weight is the worst part. And so yep, this was in uh, like end of September, October of last year. And um, so this was 2019. And so we take a month off. We go like up. We like to go to um, upstate New York, like the Hudson Valley. We go for our anniversary, come back. I have like my regular OBGYN for like my annual on October 30th. And... The morning of that, I was like, you know, like, I still haven't gotten my period after that, like, canceled cycle. Like, I'm just going to take a pregnancy test before I go into the OBGYN. Take a pregnancy test, and I'm pregnant again. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I go in to the OB, and I'm like, I think I'm pregnant again. So they take a test. They confirm it. But I I had, like, started spotting at this point, too. So that's why I was like, maybe this is my period. Maybe it's not. And I was like, it can't be good that I'm spotting. And she was like, well, it can happen, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, I've heard this before. So anyway. Mentally, Stacey, do you remember where you were at at this point? Um, I think I was cautiously excited because I had the spotting already. So I kind of knew mm-hmm. where this was heading. But I was optimistic that they say like, oh, spotting can be normal. And I was like, maybe I'm just a believer. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, you know, it was just like a weird timing, but they, so because I had had the miscarriage before, they were like, well, let's test your blood like every couple of days. Cause in a normal pregnancy, your hormones rise, you know, they're like double every two days or something, I think. So yes, yep. they tested my blood and it was, it did double the first time. And then the second time it went down and they were like, so that was when we knew, like, this is not a viable pregnancy. This is the HCG level yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, the mm-hmm. HCG. And then the third one, they tested it again because they were like, if it increases, 
that's really bad because it could mean you have an ectopic pregnancy, which is where the baby's growing in your fallopian tube. So, of course, the third time it increased again. So they were like, we think you could have an ectopic, blah, 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 blah. So they wanted me to take this drug called methotrexate, which just, like, wipes everything out. Um, But the risk of taking it is you really can't try again for at least three months. So, like, this was just, like, devastating to me that I was, like, having to wait another three, four months for this to happen. Because you you went ahead with the drug. No, I didn't. So I was like refusing. Oh, okay. I was like refusing to. <laughs> Trisha, didn't you have ectopic? I had an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. Did you take? Had, did you have to take anything? Uh, so it was. It was my experience was. I I didn't know I was pregnant, and I w- I had happened to go to my annual two, my annual gynecology appointment. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been in like, I had missed a year or something. So I just, I got really lucky in going and finding out. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, I was so careful. And then she came back and said, she's like, I confirmed I was pregnant and then said, but your numbers are too low for when the last time your period was. Mm-hmm. So she, she wanted to do a, a DNC too. So I had to go through a whole, she's like, you might just have pregnancy tissue in your uterus and all this stuff so she ended up performing a dnc but non-medicated it was horrible and then mm-hmm. there was nothing there was no pregnancy tissue in there and that's when she said okay well then you must be having an ectopic so then i had to go through they're kind of like chemo shots yeah to... that's methotrexate yeah okay so then that's yeah so then that is what i had to do and you're only allowed i think five shots and i had to take the full five and then it finally worked but it was horrible Ugh. the whole process was a horrible process so yeah. sounds horrific um yeah so then i guess i did do that i didn't realize the name i just like i said stacy's and... good with these names i'm like <laughs> yeah I <took> drugs <laughs> yeah 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 i mean yeah so i was like refusing to do that because i so they I... were just basing it on numbers but they didn't well i mean they had done some transvaginal ultrasounds and couldn't see anything either okay yeah um which like i guess once you get to like five to six weeks, you should be able to see like the sac in your uterus and they couldn't see that. So long story short, I requested like this thing called an aspiration, which is an outpatient procedure where they like use suction. And anyway, so long story short, after that, my numbers started to go down. So then I was able to kind of pass everything. It was really, that was much easier than my first miscarriage. It was just like a heavy period. So. And you said you weren't as far. Do you remember about how many weeks? I mean, it's like you never heard the heartbeat. No, right? we never heard the heartbeat. On the second one. We never saw like even the pregnancy sack on the ultrasound. So, I mean, it was, it never made it to even like on. five weeks. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was in October of this past year. Um, and, or I guess into November. Yeah. Um, and then, so my insurance, re- the deductible resets in February. So I was like, also, like, <laughs> I need to get another IUI in before my deductible resets because I'd already, like, paid the high deductible, met all of that with all these treatments. So I was like, I'm getting another treatment in come hell or high water before my deductible resets. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I think it was, you know, around Christmas time. I got my period and I was, like, all ready to go. We did another IUI with the injectables. And I was like, this is the one. It's going to work. And it didn't work. <laughs> So, oh my gosh. 
Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think I did two more after that. I You, like, lose track of this stuff. I think I did two more you after did. that. I thought you did quite a few. Yeah, I thought you did... I won't say your final number, but I don't even know. I don't even know my final number. I need to like look at the. I thought you told me eight. It might have been eight all in. Yeah, I thought you said eight. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so I did two more. Uh, Neither of those were successful, and so they were like, "Well, let's do, you know, some more workups." So I did like like Morgan was talking about. I did the procedure where they stick a camera up in my hoo ha. And make sure you know everything looks good, and that was that was more painful for me than the the ink one. And then we did like some genetic screening to make sure that we didn't weren't carriers of any mm-hmm. genetic disorders. I did some blood clotting disorder tests because I had had two miscarriages at this point. Like everything is like completely normal. Like I am perfectly healthy at this point. I was thirty two. Yep. <laughs> uh, t- thirty two, almost thirty three. So. I had kind of had enough at this point. And so I was like, you know, like, we were very yeah, fortunate. You put your body through so much. You're just yeah. like, okay, like, can and, we just figure this out? mentally, too. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I think both me and my husband were just so emotionally drained that I was like, let's talk about IVF. Like, I know our insurance doesn't cover it. It's mm-hmm. insanely expensive. But, like, you know, we're very fortunate that we – you know, make smart financial decisions and, and we're able to make it work. So I was like, I, I emotionally can't do this anymore. So either we do IVF or like I'm done for now. This was the winter, this past winter. Cause I feel like yeah, this was about when Phil and I were ready to start again. And I feel like I remember talking with you, Stacy, of just the whole process of getting to IVF but then also how hard it is to watch other people get pregnant even though yeah you're so happy for them but yeah I mean I think that's the hardest part is like you know yeah. you're like you know I, I'm at the age where all of my friends are having babies and you watch this happen and it's like the world's kind of moving on without you you know and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you don't understand you have no reason why it's not happening for you either and, and at least in my case you know so it's like why is this not working for me the second time sorry I'm kind of jumping into your story Stacy, but it's yeah. kind of syncing up to my second round and that I felt for me like my first round I had one friend that had gone through it and she was a, such a source of information I could talk to her but I really didn't talk to anyone else about it and the second time going through it like there was Stacy, I had two other friends. For me, it felt like it made such a difference being able to just talk to people about the process, what you're going through, how the medication's making you feel, that Stacy got it, that when you're just like the, you have to go in every few days, this is for the IVF part, Mm -hmm. to have them draw your blood. So your arm looks like you're a junkie by the end of this Mm -hmm. because they're taking blood and then you're doing the ultrasounds and you're sitting here waiting. I mean, how many times we text Stacy with like because we went to the same place yeah of like how are they running behind oh we like one time we both had to wait like an hour and you know oh my gosh places to be and mm-hmm. it's just so mentally draining so I think that's another reason it's so I'm so glad that Stacy agreed to talk about this but there's so many more people going through it and like I said the second round having that support system of other people that just got it it really helped 
Yeah. <laughs> so I say you must feel a little bit like a lab rat. Like after a while, you're just like, oh my gosh, can like this? Not just... a little bit, a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's all like a big science experiment. Like they're manipulating the mm-hmm. medications, they're manipulating your hormone levels to try and find a combination that works. And yes, nothing was working. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like my, I did it two more times, and the the second round they had changed their procedures and the drugs that you take. And I actually, um, this was about the I think you're in like January ish. Mm-hmm. Stacy, yeah, of this year of 2020, yeah, and I had just done my IVF, and both times I'll say was um, Charlie. I got very lucky that we got pregnant with her on the first time because that is certainly not the case even with IVF. And so I think I kind of went in with you know a positive kind of naive outlook, and we used one of the t- one of the. Um, three remaining embryos and it took but like Stacy was talking earlier the HCG levels were so low so I think we started like a 6.5 and I think that first read they wanted like 100 or something so it took but <laughs> it, it didn't they basically it was a chemical miscarriage is I think what they ended up calling it but again you still had gone through all the rounds before you know, like all the shots and testing. But my whole point to the second round was that by my third time of trying, they put me back on my first regimen that had worked with Charlie. So you were just saying, Stacy, how mm-hmm. they <laughs> adjust and calculate. Well, and, and like even you know. this was something that I didn't know, but even like once we had gotten to I- IVF, there's so many different protocols. Like Morgan, you and I yes. were not even on the same protocol ever, like with any of our cycles. No, the one you were on, they did with my second IVF when we were pregnant for those two weeks. But did you do, because I, I never did estrogen shots. Did you, you had to do estrogen shots, right? I think so, Stacey. You did. I remember you having I knew, to do that. The, the second pregnancy or the one currently? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I started IVF um, and I had my egg retrieval. I think it was early March. Um, and we got 14 eggs, which is, was good. I was happy That's with awesome. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're waiting the five days to see how many. I think, I remember it was weird. Like, so we had 14 eggs, 10 of them, or no, nine of them fertilized. And then, so they call you back the next day and they're like, oh, there's 10 that have divided. And I was like, well, wait, I thought we only had nine that <laughs> I forgot fertilized. That. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, one started growing again. And I was like, Okay, like that's weird. <laughs> so anyway, we <laughs> seriously by the end of day five, I think we had five that were that had made it. But because we had the miscarriages, we had opted to do PGS testing, which is where they can test the embryos, they biopsy them, send them away, and they make sure that they have the right number of chromosomes, which is the most common reason why women have miscarriages. There's like a something that happens with the chromosomes, and either you can have too few, too many, some can be in the wrong spot. So we wanted to make sure with this IVF baby that it had the right number of chromosomes to avoid another miscarriage. So we sent five to be biopsied and we had four that were genetically normal and healthy. So um, but when you do the biopsy, you have to freeze them. So I wasn't able to do a transfer right away. So this was in March. Who can tell me what happened in March? <laughs> 
in 2020. COVID. COVID. So everything mm-hmm. got canceled, um, which I was just devastated by because I was like so yep. ready to do this, so ready to do the transfer. We were supposed to be going to France in April. So I like had it all timed out perfectly where I was going to like do my medications, go to France. Like the week we got back from I'm France, back. we were like, it was like <laughs> me yep. and like the IVF nurses. You had it down. We had it timed yeah. to the day on like yeah. how this was all going to work. But then COVID came and screwed it all up. So, I mean, the, the fertility clinic shut down for two months, I think. Yep. That was really hard to wait. Um, but we ended up doing our transfer in June. And now I am 17 weeks pregnant after that first transfer. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so it's so crazy that women have to go through that whole initial process of the IUI so many times. Yeah. You know? And it's so different for everyone. I think largely mm-hmm. it's insurance-based, too, and also what the fertility place feels is best for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think had we had insurance coverage, we would have done IVF way sooner. But, you know, yeah. like how do you justify spending the cost when they there's nothing that they can point to that's wrong, you know? Right, and, of course. Yeah. And so like... So of course, you hold out hope and you'd been pregnant twice on your own, so why not? Right. And so it was like that all logic is telling us that this is going to happen at some point, but we had just both reached a point where it was like, I, I can't do this anymore. And so mm-hmm. it worked and now here we are. So it was worth worth it. <laughs> so worth it. Do you mind just sharing a little bit? Because I feel like I keep wanting for you and I feel like you're finally there, yeah. but I want you to enjoy the pregnancy and how mentally mm-hmm. now this pregnancy you've kind of yeah mentally had a block I mean you know like I've been through this twice before and it hasn't worked out and so I felt like my entire first trimester you're just like waiting for something to happen you know and like Mm -hmm. even though in fairness you've had bleeding again right so I think well so even before (laughs) that so after my transfer they're like testing your hormone levels and they called and they were like oh one of your hormone levels is a little low so they like increased my dose because at this point you're still taking injections you take the progesterone shots through what's supposed to be the 10th week of pregnancy so I had to increase my dose and the bleeding did stop after that I think I had another section where I started bleeding again you did I felt like you went up like two or three weeks and started bleeding again yeah and so they increased my dose again because you were at a pretty high progesterone level at that point yeah I I mean I was I was going through a vial like every four days and yeah they're they're like fifty (laughs) dollars a vial so it's crazy oh my gosh And can we talk about how uncomfortable progesterone is? It's in your ass. Okay. Mm -hmm. The progesterone shots were way worse for me than (laughs) any of the little camera up your hoo-ha tests. Like the progesterone was awful for me. Oh, that's a hard one because the camera one Mm. was one moment that completely sucked. But the progesterone, you didn't know what you were getting every night. Like you just, you don't no it could be a good stick it might not and then the further you go along your ass is sore it has lumps because well that's the worst the medicine part. is still trying yeah like and you're trying to massage it heat it walk it off like what have you the progesterone you are literally counting down like okay <laughs> like how many more shots for for those of you who have not done progesterone and oil shots <laughs> 
Do you know how like you get sore when you get the flu shot? Like, you know how your arm gets sore a little bit? Yes, that's a good analogy. Yep. So imagine that is your butt, but you have to keep sticking a needle in every night for 10 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And these needles are long. Yeah. So my sister had to do that too. And she's tiny. She's just like a tiny girl. She actually said, I'm going to hit bone. Like, you need to give me a smaller needle. And they gave her a smaller needle. Yeah. But, yeah, she had this whole routine where she had her heating pad ready. She had her ice pack ready. Yeah. She would go out yeah. and go for a walk. Like, she had a whole routine because she's like, And how did like, she do so it? Because painful. she was single. Like, she did I it don't herself. know how single people. Yeah. Okay. She had to look That's in the mirror have another and friend do it herself. That God I, bless I, her. I couldn't. Seriously. Yeah. I, amazing. <laughs> I'm yeah. speechless literally right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told you this, Morgan, but the, so the one time, like I didn't actually mind the actual shot that bad. It was like how sore I was the next day. But the one time my husband, Jordan sticks it in and like, I had a, I had a big dose. So it like takes a while to plunge it all in. And you know, we've, we've got this puppy that I've talked about. And so it was always like a timing game of like, we'd feed the dog and then have to get the shot done before the dog comes in and like licks my butt while he's like (laughs) shooting it in. So anyway, so we're like, <laughs> I can relate to that because we were trying to do it because it had to be at 8 p.m. every night yeah. and Charlie was going down at 8. So we're either trying to get her down or distract her with the TV. And she quickly started learning, oh, they're not in the room. And we should start patting my shoulder. And I'm sitting trying to smile and show her I'm OK. But she like knew and she would yeah. rub my arm. But yeah, so you had the puppy. I had Charlie. Like I said, you already have a toddler. I know. <laughs> But so the one night, you know, he's like trying to do it and uh, he pulls the needle out and I'm like, oh, okay, good. And like the dog was coming in and he's like, there, I didn't get it all. There's still some in the syringe. And I'm like, are mm-hmm. you, you did tell me this. kidding oh my me? Gosh. Like, you have to stick me again. You said you swore. You yeah. were just swearing. I was so, I was like <laughs> about to divorce him in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he had to change the needle out and stick it again. And uh, I was so mad at him. Yeah, that happened my first time with Charlie that it wouldn't come out. And Phil had to pull the needle all the way out and then do it again. Yeah. And like once you're traumatized that one time, you just, I, at least for me, I was sitting there bracing myself. Yeah. Oh my God, how's this stick going to be? Oh, and the worst was he, Phil would try to walk me through and act comforting, which he was for the most part. Mm-hmm. But when you hear your husband with the needle say, oh, come on, it's almost here. Oh, the needle's just stuck a little. It'll come. I'm like, don't tell me the needle is stuck and the medicine's not coming out. Like, that's not what I want to hear right now. Just focus. Stop talking to me and focus. Yeah. Well, and I guess you can hit a vein, right? Which is like unusual, but it can Sciatic happen. Sciatic nerve. That, yeah, My that happened to me. Sciatic nerve. That happened My to me sister did it on. like four times and she was like, what the heck? Why does it keep happening? She started drawing on herself. So she knew where oh, she had already done we it. We did. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because with the Charlie pregnancy if they gave I don't know they didn't do it my last two pregnancies so I don't know if they did for you Stacy but they sent me home with a picture of an ass and like x marks the spot on like where the sciatic nerve is and so that first time I we used that but by the second pregnancy the miscarriage one mm-hmm. I just literally pulled my pants down in the office and was like can you just mark me for the first night that's, and then that's what they Phil did just for me. that every yep because <laughs> I it was it was COVID and my husband couldn't come to the appointments yeah so I was like can you just yep. literally draw a bullseye on my butt in permanent marker yep. that'll last Same. like a couple of days because that's what they did so I had yeah. big circles. great tip for anyone going through it <laughs> yeah oh but I'm so happy for you Stace 
And oh when's, gosh, your, when's your due date? all of that. Uh, my due date is February 20th. Woohoo! Yay! Are you going to mm. find out the sex? Is it going to be a surprise? Um, so we could, like, already know the sex because we did the PGS testing. But, like, this was back in March. And, like, I don't know. We just, like, weren't ready for that question when they called. I just, I don't know. It didn't cross my mind that we could. And so, you know, we weren't ready for that question when it came up at the time. So now we're, like. Yeah. We've kind of been going back and forth. I want to know. My husband doesn't. We can know for sure at the anatomy scan, which is in like three weeks. 20 weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he he's actually able to come to that appointment. Right now with COVID, he hasn't been able to come to any of the ultrasounds, which is really sad. So I think we're yeah. going to find out. We're going to find out at that one, I think. So we're excited. Yay. Any predictions? I think it's a boy. But the only reason I think that is because we have two girl names that we love. And no boy names that we can agree on. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's too funny. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to go back to the emotional toll thing we were talking about. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, please. You know, I had all that bleeding in the first trimester. And then, you know, you stop the medicine and everything's supposed to be fine at that point. But I actually started bleeding like a week after I stopped my medicine. So then I had to go back on medication. So it was just a whole roller coaster. And like, I don't know, I I felt like the entire first trimester, I didn't really get to Mm -hmm. enjoy it because, you know, you also like want to protect yourself. Like I didn't want to get too excited and then be let down. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. like... You were very guarded around it, yeah, for sure. And like people are just like, you know, my mom, she would like texted me and was like, do you have your nursery colors yet? Like, I want to knit a blanket. And I was like, I'm not oh, thinking gosh. about that yet. Like, I can't go there yet. You're um, just trying to get week by week yeah. and not spot. Yeah. Well, so I'm sure you want to, like, blurt it out to the world. But because of this, you're, you, you really have to keep it to yourself. Because, again, that's going to get your hopes up and and you just it's more people to have to tell if something were to happen so you just really have to keep it to yourself too which is hard yeah you're like I've tried for so we've tried for so long like we're here already yeah and so you know like I was excited to tell people but then it was like well when I tell people like this is real you know and mm-hmm. when it was our yeah. secret you said it felt weird when you started telling work people yeah like just the words <laughs> Well, because, you know, like my team at work, like most of them had known at that point because I had like posted on Facebook like about our journey and like I had shared when I had my miscarriage in the fall, like I had started getting a lot more comfortable talking about it just because I've done some like advocacy work with infertility. And so most people had known to a degree like what we were going through. So I was comfortable telling people at work I was pregnant, but it was still like I didn't want too many people to know because then it was like out of control, you know. So Mm -hmm. now I think most people know at this point. So when I have to say your advocacy work and your post were I I told you this already, Mm -hmm. but it just it was so heartfelt and Mm -hmm. touching and relatable. And I just I I thought that was so brave of you too. You were just so open in the way you shared your story. Thank you. Yeah. So that was pretty courageous of you. I mean, you yeah. know, like the same reason like we're doing this podcast right now. Like there's so many, like I think it's like one in eight couples experience infertility of some kind. And so it's way more common than I think people realize and way more common than I knew when I was going through this initially. Yeah. So is there any site or any place you might want to suggest to people that are struggling for support? Uh, yeah, so Resolve is the National Infertility Association. So if you go to their website, they've got um, right now a lot of like virtual support groups. 
that's how I got involved. So I did the um, advocacy day for with Congress. So I got to have a couple calls with congressmen and we were uh, advocating for different bills that support, you know, like adoption tax credits, access to infertility care, that sort of thing. So if anyone feels passionate, it was an amazing, amazing experience. So I definitely recommend getting that's involved. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So I'll jump to mine really quick. Okay. So this third time doing IVF, I was very much like you, Stacy, in that after we miscarried in January, I, one, I couldn't even say the word miscarriage. I was just like, cause it was two weeks. I, I didn't really have symptoms and of being pregnant aside from I was cramping and had really tender breasts, but it almost could have been like a really bad period. So mentally that was just like a whole other thing. And I was just ready to jump in. I was just like, all right, well, we're not. So when can we start again? And I think I may have asked them that on the phone when they confirm that the numbers were we were no longer pregnant and because I was so early that there wasn't I wasn't like you guys I didn't have to go through anything I just had to wait for my first bleed but I think I managed to get a consult because they, they make you go through the whole consult again even I was like can we just do those over the phone I've done this routine twice like <laughs> what can we do to speed up this process and so I think I got an appointment like nine days after the miscarriage and we went in and we had the decision to make so we had two embryo yeah two embryos left from the round we did with Charlie and I kind of I wanted to do just another round of egg retrieval I just I wasn't feeling uh-huh. very confident with the because we put in two with Charlie's yeah oh no we had one left yeah see it all gets fuzzy <laughs> it all becomes one big blur <laughs> but um I just I didn't want to bank on that one just adds so much more pressure to everything like there's not enough pressure already pressure and yeah and I think a big part I didn't want to with my body you do again all the testing you are taking these drugs month before you even do the transfer and just coming off the miscarriage and again because I was technically pregnant for two weeks I was already doing the progesterone shots for two weeks you know and it's just like I just I couldn't I wanted to better our odds and also I was 39 and so I was just like 40 seems to be like the big I mean 35 year geriatric pregnancy right we talked about that <laughs> so horrible 40 like it, they were like well yeah. you're technically a geriatric yeah, pregnancy like so I was funny. like that's you're, so rude you're like a third of your life <laughs> through a third of your life and you're already I'm like geriatric. that's a horrible term you should really change that <laughs> so rude <laughs> seriously especially when you have doctors that are like look like they're 70 (laughs) calling you geriatric (laughs) but um so phil if anyone knows him is much more uh, let's take things slow easy let's think about things where i'm like let's move i know what i want to do let's make plans so i convinced phil to to do another round of egg retrieval And so I'm so glad we did because then we also could do genetic testing this round, which we didn't do with our first time, the Charlie round. And so we threw in our one remaining embryo from Charlie round with the three that we had. So we had four that got tested all together. All the ones that we did for the egg retrieval this past time, genetically great. It was the one that we hadn't tested, which was not viable. I don't think I knew that. I don't think you told me that. That's yeah. crazy. I'm glad you yeah. did the retrieval. Right? Yeah. 100%. Wow. Yeah. 
to have like gone through another IVF round for something that never could have happened. It would probably been like another chemical pregnancy, if that, you know, because mm-hmm. I was about two weeks behind you, Stacy. Mm-hmm. that I think the week that they were sending out for the genetic testing again, like she said, you basically have to wait a whole month because they have to freeze everything. Um, you can't just immediately go into an IVF cycle, which is just beyond frustrating because you just want to keep things moving. It's just like that constant waiting game, but you have to, um, it takes about a week to get that genetic testing. And the week that the genetic testing came back, that's when the clinic closed for us. And so we were just waiting and waiting and they do two deep cleans of the office, like the labs. So usually it's in July, but they're like, we'll do it in March. since we are shut down with COVID and they had to wait for the government to give them the go ahead to be able to open up again. That wait was excruciating. <laughs> it was just like, especially with COVID, you have no idea. Yeah. Well, that was when. the thing. Like you're at home, can't go anywhere or do anything. And then there was like all yep. these jokes about like, oh, there's going to be so many COVID babies. And it was like, I hate everyone yeah. on the internet Yeah. Right <laughs> like- yep. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Oh, so I, the beginning, the first week in June, I, I know te- Stacy and I kept texting like they're going to open. Okay. Like we were trying to get those first appointments mm-hmm. in to keep things rolling. I saw, I, oh, I'm, I'm blanking. Something happened that pushed me back the two weeks. Cause I think we both went in about that same week, Stacy. Yeah. No. Cause I, I had my, I, I was earlier than you because I had my transfer June 4th. So I think. Yes. But I got pushed back because what was the HS? What was the test called, Stacey? The hoo-ha one? Well, the HSG is the ink one. And then it's. I for, yeah. I forget what the camera one is called. Well, that ink one. Well, they did it all at the same time. Okay. But they made me do that again because every six months you had to do it. And it literally hit six months because I was sitting there waiting for COVID. Oh. So I had to do that again. And so when the clinic opened. I couldn't even just go into the embryo, even though we knew the genetic testing and everything was fine. I had to wait on that. And then that came back and my tissue was inflamed. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I had to wait another two weeks and they wanted me to do antibiotics. And I was going so crazy, just waiting and waiting. I was like, you've got to be kidding. It just felt like one thing after another. Then (laughs) we were finally able to begin that month leading up to the IVF. Oh my gosh. So, and that's when they put me back on the regimen they had done with Charlie. It was again, also like you mentioned this, this last round was not only did you have the COVID factor, but what Stacy mentioned and you know, besides COVID and we had to wait, 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 but COVID factoring in that our husbands could not be a part of the process that Phil couldn't come in nor could Jordan Mm -hmm. um, for the actual IVF. So we talked about the testing and everything feeling so much on the woman, but talk about literally you're getting pregnant by yourself. (laughs) You know, like he wasn't in the room because you, he had to wait in the car and it was just, it was so surreal compared to when we had done it with Charlie. And for me, that had felt like the first real moment of, Oh, we are having quote a normal pregnancy, whatever that means. But just that, 
him and I were in it together that you can watch the monitor together. Like it was just the start of possibly good things. For like, I didn't know any different because my first transfer was during COVID. But like, I remember we were like FaceTiming during the transfer and like, I'm like trying to show Mm -hmm. him the screen. And like, meanwhile, I'm like spread eagle in this room and like, (laughs) they're like, you know, putting the thing in there. And it was just like the The most awkward thing because like, I'm trying to like FaceTime my husband so he can see the screen and like it was just a mess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. So I actually had brought in a doll of Phil that like a week before he had found this doll in his parents house from when he was like 20 apparently these the malls made dolls of you with your face. That's amazing. It was hilarious like he brought it home and I was like what is that it looked like a minion with his face on it it was it was I don't know what but I was laughing so hard so the day of the transfer I'm like well you can't be there I'm taking the doll and he thought I was joking I was not joking he's like they're not gonna let you walk in with a doll because of COVID you can't bring other things I'm like watch me I will spray it down with Lysol (laughs) so I sat that doll on the chair Phil would have been at you just mentioned Stacy that you were able to FaceTime Mm -hmm. Jordan yeah Phil's phone completely died. Apple needed to give him a new phone. Oh, God. So I couldn't even talk to him. But I will say the doctors and nurses were cracking up at uh, my Phil doll. That's amazing. (laughs) It definitely broke any tension in the room. And I recorded the whole thing. So I am. Yeah. The one nurse told me I could. And then like I'm eight minutes in. The whole transfer process lasts 10 minutes. I was so lucky. I was able to be at my sister's transfer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such an experience. And so I'm so glad I videotaped in like the eight minute mark. The doctor was like, are you recording? I'm like, yeah, they said I could. He goes, oh, we usually don't let you. So like I stopped it. And then he was like, but I'll make an exception. So that I like picked it up and like recorded the last two minutes. <laughs> of it that's funny (laughs) yeah it was just it's been very different experience covid and even with once they do give you the call and you find out you're pregnant you still have so many more appointments you go to than if someone just went to normal obgyn i think it's what every week Stacy yeah it's every week we go you're till eight weeks yeah Mm -hmm. and so you're still at the fertility clinic I mean the plus side is to see the hear the heartbeat so much sooner than people that get pregnant naturally you get a lot more ultrasound pics (laughs) even though it looks like a little dot a little speck (laughs) quite intense you're still going all the time and again phil couldn't be there and each time you go for the ultrasound you're also getting more blood because they're still monitoring your estrogen and progesterone levels mm-hmm. yeah i feel like once you get released to your normal OBGYN, it's kind of a sigh of relief at least it was for me oh it was no like, it was the opposite okay. for me i was like I, where's my weekly scans like i need to do that <laughs> yeah you were because you were so just on guard about everything yeah it was tough Yeah, I was just like ready for give me my every four week appointment. It's been very different. And I feel like I, uh, I'm feeling a little like you now, Stacy, in the sense I'm 14 weeks now. Mm -hmm. And this past week, I had a scare, I just bled. Mm -hmm. Because my pregnancy with Charlie was so easy. And I had the 12 week ultrasound, everything was great. And then 13 weeks, I just started bleeding at work. And so now baby's fine. I'm fine. But I am definitely more on guard. I'm waiting for that. My next one is the 20 week one. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay. Do you not, you're not going cramping. back in at 16 weeks? I don't think, uh, maybe it's 16. 
they also have me going to the hospital. Like I have to go both places because you know I'm geriatric. <laughs> well, no, I because you know I'm doing the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my anatomy scan at the hospital too. I think that yeah, they, me too. They told me they okay. do all their IVF patients at the hospital because oh, think, are they doing them all now? Yeah. Okay. So it, don't feel bad. It's not because you're geriatric. So yeah, I just again so different because the hub- husbands can't be there and we're doing all this. So it's crazy, mm-hmm. fun wow. times. <laughs> But at least we're ending on a happy note that Yay. we have babies to be coming in Oh my gosh, what big celebrations. COVID babies, Stacey. They are COVID babies. <laughs> they're not the accidental, oops, I got pregnant COVID babies. No, they're, they're far from <laughs> accidental. <laughs> so crazy. Couldn't be more planned if you tried. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Is there anything you would like to say to anyone or just maybe going through it? You know, like we had touched on this a little earlier about, you know, how important and how different it was for you going through it the second time to have like a support mm-hmm. network. And like, I think yep. for a long time, I, I like didn't even tell my mom I was going through this. And I just remember like when I finally told people that we were going through this, it was just like this huge weight off my chest. And like, I don't know, like I think if people are going through this, if you feel comfortable and you have people you can trust, let people know, like people understand and will be there for you. Like I, you know, my, I have a friend that she like, I swear has all of my doctor's appointments in her calendar too. And like every morning that I go to the doctor, she texts <laughs> me. Oh, that's like, so sweet. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's it really, really helps to have a support network. So, so much so. And I think that would be my suggestion too. In talking to people, you just, that's when I started learning that I think this round, three people, you being one of them and two others, were going through some sort of fertility process Mm -hmm. at the same time and you just like you said people are so much more open and I was definitely more guarded my first round because it's just it it's not taboo but it's just like I guess I didn't want to explain the whole process and it's already so invasive well you're already going through so much emotionally too that then you add in other people's reactions and yeah everyone asking you and yeah Mm -hmm. it's a lot but I will say finding those people that you feel comfortable with has definitely taken a weight off of things this last time for sure mm-hmm. so and give yeah. up social media if you need to that's the other thing like I took so many <laughs> social media <laughs> breaks yeah. yeah cause you know it's triggering like when you log yeah. on it's TV shows for me some TV shows cause I feel like that's the one where I'm like it's suddenly all about miscarriage I'm like oh god mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah well you guys are troopers I give you so much credit for putting your bodies and everything I mean it's got to be really stressful not only on yourself but even on the relationship and having to make some tough decisions that you didn't know you'd have to make and I just think it's it's uh, it's it's pretty incredible uh, what you guys have done and what so many others have had to do too yeah thank you, thank you. I think part of it is you you just want that baby so you know as a mama you just exactly. do what you have to do <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it does become a blur. That's why part of my story is all yeah. blurred together. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, thank, thank you, Stacey. You. And yeah. yeah, thank you for having of me. Course. Are we doing oh our mom fashion? Of course. Oh, uh, good. Okay. Yeah, we are. I'm gonna jump <laughs> I into gonna some say. mom fashions. Yeah, we need a little upbeat <laughs> for the end, of course. <laughs> 
Stacy, what what do you want to go? One, two, or three? Well, I'll go first because I'm obviously not a mom yet. But yes, you, are. you are a mom. I'm a firm. I'm a fur mom, and I have been a fur mom. <laughs> and you're a mom, but yes, <laughs> go for it. So my mom fashion is. So we got our cat the year we got married. So we had him before we got married, and we took a two week honeymoon to Italy. And I missed my cat so much on our honeymoon that I was like crying oh every God. night in the middle of our honeymoon. <laughs> and my husband was like, we're on our honeymoon in Italy and you're crying because you missed the cat. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't wait for you yep. to have this baby. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> yep. the emotions oh there. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Like I love you. I'm enjoying my honeymoon, but uh, I really miss my cat. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's funny. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, Trisha, do you have? Um, sure, I will go. go. What do you want to do? So, my mom fashion. This has to do back when. I was having all my struggles with Remy sleeping and um, (laughs) pretty much my mom fashion is I will never ever again give her chocolate before bed. I did it. I feel like I'm having. I probably you. told this you, before, but, but I didn't car, do I it as a mom fashion <laughs> because yeah, I think I texted you like, oh my god, never give Charlie chocolate. <laughs> so just to f- fill you in a little bit, Stacy, I had three months that I was struggling mm. with trying to get Remy to sleep. She's always been a pretty good sleeper. She's a light sleeper, but she's a good sleeper. And mm-hmm. uh, she, I had to transfer her. She started to climb out of her crib, so I had to transfer her to, or we had to transfer her to her toddler bed. And I thought that the whole transition was part of her not sleeping. Anyways, three. let's fast forward three months, and I come to find out it's my little half-calf cup of coffee every morning because I still nurse her uh, twice a day. That mm-hmm. was keeping her awake. And as soon as I cut out caffeine, she was sleeping through the night and it took three months to figure out that it was me so in that process Hmm. we had a really great day and we all went we there's a little ice cream shop near our house and the whole family we rode our bikes walked over there and got ice cream and she kept pointing to the chocolate i get swirl and so i was like ah you know what this was so good this is so great and gave her some swirl chocolate ice cream and oh my gosh she did not i could not get her to sleep she was so rambunctious it was insane she was up a bunch in the night and i was like never again will you ever have chocolate before bed i had no oh idea how much it could affect her i mean and now in hindsight obviously i'm you should well, know now i know so it happened in that too. process of right like, <laughs> I know it's like the last thing you would think about, and then you're like, "Okay, my child is oh extremely gosh, sensitive so. to all chemicals." Yes, oh, caffeine being, being one of like them, an epic one. So, my mom fashion is: oh. I gave my daughter caffeinated chocolate before bed. <laughs> oh God, was she bouncing, She's, or was she just no? Like it wasn't even so crazy. She was just she was just had so much energy she was like overtired almost she wasn't the day where you're like it's like one in the morning and she's riding her bike around circles in oh her my bedroom. gosh yeah i woke up at four in the morning and she was riding her balance bike in the room and i opened the door and she goes hi oh. i was like what are you doing oh my god oh, i love hi. that girl yep yeah <laughs> yep yeah perfectly That's normal cool. 
nothing to see here. Just yeah. I had to turn. I had to unplug her right? lamp so she couldn't climb onto the rocking chair and turn her light on. This she's like a year and a half at this point when that happened. I was like, oh, okay, oh you're too young for this. All right, let's hear it. I love it. All right. So mine is that I laughed at Charlie's expense. (laughs) So (laughs) we were outside and you know the little roller coaster thing that she will ride? Yes, I know. Trisha, you know what the girls were riding? Yes. So it's this little toy roller coaster that they can take outside and go down the little track. Well, Phil's outside mowing the lawn. And I don't know, it's been hot, whatever. The lawn is extremely high. Well, Charlie goes down her little track, her little roller coaster track. Well, the grass is so high, she goes the front wheels of her little roller coaster, flip her over into the grass head first, does a full somersault on the little, little roller coaster wheels. And then, I mean, she was fine, but the grass was so long, like, literally, it was like half her body was (laughs) in the grass. And I'm just laughing. Like, as soon as she went head over first, I just, I mean, I'm kind of sad I didn't have one video, honestly. Was it a live photo? No, oh, I, I was just have... hanging out with. I didn't have anything. I'm saying I wish that I had been videotaping her because I would have been playing that on loop. That's hilarious. I think that's the first time I kind of remember laughing at her expense, but it was funny. And her face when she got up was like dazed and confused, like what just happened? I feel like and once you know, laughing over her. Yeah, once you know they're okay, it's like, oh, we can laugh at this. This is hilarious. Oh no, I was laughing as she went over, Stacy. Not <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that's like, that's one of my biggest so faults. Funny. Like I I laugh when she, oh my gosh every time she falls. But like now a lot of times when she falls, she just gets up and I go, you okay? She's like, yes, and then she moves on. So maybe my laughing was a was a good thing all along. <laughs> That's great. Oh. So, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> Laughing at my child's expense. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Love you, Charlie. All right. Well, hopefully this episode was enlightening, helpful for anyone going through the process, thinking about going through the process of fertility. Um, and again, feel free to share your stories, questions. I might fast forward them to Stacey yeah. with the medical stuff. <laughs> 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 but um we're here if you need a listening ear yeah, just thank you so much it us. was really it was, so. it was definitely enlightening for me too because i you know i was one of i'm one of the lucky fortunate ones that i i didn't have to think about this i didn't have to worry about it i mean i and i was there for mm-hmm. my sister as she went through it and you know it was it's so difficult all all around physical mental all of it so i just appreciate you guys sharing something so personal with myself and anybody listening so thank you again and it was great to uh, get to know you on the podcast stacy i hope i can meet you in person yeah (laughs) one day after covid (laughs) yeah yeah after covid one of our holiday parties we'll both be there definitely (laughs) sounds good all right until next time. time ciao